1: Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a podcast for people interested in creating comedy. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you're enjoying this funky theme music. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. It is the funkiest theme song in all of comedy podcasting. Today's episode is a great one. It's with the fantastic Molly Gaby of UCB in New York. She is really great. She's on a Herald team there and a Sketch team, and she does a lot of stuff. You should listen to this episode if you want to know more about how to perform a Herald on UCB levels. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I sure did. We have our first Thanksgiving episode just last week. First Christmas episode coming up near christmas in about a month looking forward to all the episodes if you are enjoying these episodes that you've listened to up to this point then please leave a review on itunes subscribe to us on itunes or soundcloud if you've never heard an episode before check them out they're on itunes and soundcloud you can also go to thereitispod.com and find old episodes well, this episode, as I said, is a great one, Molly Gaby. It's a real great talk. She's a lot of fun. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Molly Gaby.
2: You know, I don't know where you're from. Where are you from? I am from the 305 where Pitbull is from, Miami, Florida. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, That's it's bizarre.
1: Cool. <laughs> where, when did you first get into performance art or like performing?
2: Um, I guess I first really got into it, well, I guess I got, uh, <laughs> I went to a magnet school uh, for middle school and did theater there. And that's where I first got exposed to improv. Uh, for our audition, we had to improvise uh, a scene. And that was so much fun. And so ever since then, I've been pursuing that through high school. College is when I really started diving in at Wesleyan University. Lynn manuel what's up?
1: oh very cool who else went him. there didn't uh John
2: Sweden did John Bay. Stewart
1: go there was that where John Stewart went nobody should have
2: <laughs> he's got the same uh, Wesleyan flair maybe I'm
1: thinking William and Mary I don't know
2: yeah William and Mary and Wesleyan and Wellesley often get confused for each other so yeah it's cause it's every alarm is dubbies <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, but Wesleyan had a thriving improv scene, um, and I joined, by accident, one of the long-form groups there. I didn't know the difference between long-form and short-form. Right. But uh, No one New does Teen in college. Force. I know, I know. Um, uh, my group was called New Teen Force, and I joined it. I was de- my, The deciding factor was on, like, who had the cuter boys, uh, <laughs> you know? And it really just led me to where I am today. Um,
1: oh, you think uh, UCB has the cuter boys? well,
2: that's that's debatable. I mean, they're wonderful. Every theater has has wonderful, beautiful boys. I love them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Even yeah, that's where I learned Even penitentiary
1: theater. Form. No, I'm
2: kidding. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we traveled to different uh, the National College Comedy Improv Festival at Skidmore every year, which just was the best thing in the entire world. Um, and that's where I learned how to do long form, and I'm um, uh, I still do some improv with some Wesleyan alums today. A lot of them are in New York, which is really fun. That's very cool. Then, yeah. Then I went to Boston after that, uh, where I had many panic attacks post-college, uh, but many wonderful classes at Improv Asylum. I don't know if you've ever been. I haven't. To, oh, it's it's great. I love it. Um, so I trained there. Oh, and then I totally missed. I did some training for an entire summer at Improv Olympic in Chicago and Second City The year before I could drink, which was unfortunate, but still had a good time. (laughs)
1: So Uh, you got really committed really early.
2: I guess is that early. Sometimes I see eighteen year olds in four hundred ones, and I get really jealous.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, right. I just mean you got into performance in middle school. Yeah, that's true. And that's Uh, very neat.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was really, really lucky to have access to those programs in Miami. It had like a thriving theater scene, which I'm not sure if it does anymore, but I was there at the right time. So, so, yeah, I was lucky that way. What
1: made you really lean in on that at such an early age?
2: (laughs) My therapist will tell you it was because I had to mediate the tension in my family. But I think it's just because I wanted attention like every other improviser. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a middle child? I am a middle child, so hardcore, the most middle child you can get, yeah. Okay,
1: well, very fun, very cool that you found that at such a, I mean, some people don't find, I guess, something that inspires them so much until they're full-on adults.
2: Yeah, it's really true. I found that making uh, a lot of making big scenes in public got me a lot of attention and that felt good. So, you know, on a smaller scale, that's what improv is on stage. That's still very much my style, um, uh, to this day. So, uh, it's definitely, uh, comes from that, but the community and the people and the cute boys is what keeps me coming back. Jason, I (laughs) tell you, I I get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have some roots in the Chicago style of improv and which is, uh, a lot of people, when they talk about improv, I'm guilty of this on this podcast and elsewhere of being one of those idiots who will say like, "There's Chicago style and there's New York style, and New York comes from Chicago, so it's just there are different ways, and there are all these different theaters and different approaches, and it's all beautiful and great, and it's a mosaic of improv, and I
2: like that. <laughs> That's very nice of you to say. That is wonderful. I love that sentiment.
1: Yeah, and it's great because I'm listen. I knew about. Improv, when I was in high school, just like everyone else, we saw Who Signs It Anyway. And when I got to college, that's what I knew was short form. I didn't know it was called that. And I read Truth in Comedy, but I was still just doing what we were doing in class, which was just mm-hmm. short form. And it wasn't until six or so years ago that I was watching Ask Cat on Netflix where I th- said, I want to do that. I want to <laughs> do that. So I like... I love everything. I'm very inspired by IO people. I'm very inspired by UCB people. And that's why I have you on the podcast. Because since the moment I saw you, I was like, she is phenomenal. I need to do <laughs> more of her stuff. So I was glad a month ago when we went to New York that we got to see you.
2: Oh, I was so happy you guys came. That was really wonderful.
1: Super fun. And <laughs> do you, I was just having a conversation earlier today because we're at the end of our festival down here. Which uh, I hope one day you can make it to the New South Comedy Festival. Oh, would love warmer. to. Yeah, I'll you, be. I, I this is my last one uh, for a while living here. But uh, <laughs> if you if you go if you come down here, then uh, I'm gonna have to take a trip to see
0: you.
1: <laughs> but I'm wondering. Or I've had this kind of conversation of like, yeah, I feel like I'm maybe more in my abilities, a IO type of thinker but I want to be good at UCB style. Um, as someone who's been in IO and you're successful in UCB, is there is there really that much difference?
2: Uh, you know what? There is, but I'm glad you mentioned that because I definitely consider myself um, more of an IO style player, but that, that's why I feel like it's been so good for me to get my training at UCB mm-hmm. because the, uh, the game machine doesn't come so naturally to me. So having to practice that over and over and over again has made me into the kind of performer that I am. It, so I, I'm definitely more like weight and heat character based and very physical. And,
0: yeah. um, oh, like yeah. a lot of
2: my characters just come from the way I walk first and then, uh, after that, the scene goes from there. So it's been, it's honestly just been like class for me, like practice, practice, practice night. And like, I'm still taking classes because I want to remember to always go back to the basics of the, of the game work. So that definitely does not come naturally to me. Um, But like any performer, you need to practice all aspects Mm -hmm. uh, of the art form. I think that's Uh, one of the
1: things that I like so much about you is that you have, (laughs) you're rooted in all these different things. So you're you're good at all these different things. You're you're great at the game aspect because I've seen you do it. But then <laughs> the first show I saw you in, you were very physical. And it was the funniest stuff. I don't know if you remember <laughs> at, at NCCAF and you're doing the big uh, balloon thing that's outside of like every
2: car oh, dealership. Oh, the car balloon man. Yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, that's pretty much the epitome of what I do on stage, which is why I love being on the team that I'm on now and many of the teams that I've been on in the past, you need a well-rounded team. If you had eight of me on one team, God, the show would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need, which is why I've definitely come to appreciate the art of curating mm-hmm. uh, an improv team to have each of the aspects that you need well taken care of. So, like, on the Harold uh, team I'm on right now, Women and Men, we've got, like, the bizarro character players, me and Sarah Grace, the other girl on the team, are very, <laughs> very much dive into those. I mean, everybody can do everything, but right. we got the master justifiers like Zach and Steve, like and the then straight the straight
1: person machine. and the absurd person.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you have a good balance of that, that really magic really happens. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of my training too has gotten me to be. Is about letting myself know it's okay to be good at the thing that I'm good at and not as good at the things that I'm not good at. That is totally okay. Not to b- have all this pressure on you to be the game machine, be the ninja, be the pirate, be the straight man. You know, that you can drive yourself crazy if you try to be everything. Oh, yeah. And I think you do in the beginning when they're taking classes, right? I think we all have that mental breakdown when we're like, yes. I can't be wise, I can't be a. You know, I, I didn't
1: shake that until recently, and I've been doing improv since summer of 2013, like regularly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and it wasn't some uh, the team I'm on. There are a couple of people who play very similarly, and they're phenomenal at it. And it's something I'm I'm just not good at. I, I admire it. I wish I could do it, but it wasn't until recently <laughs> when I said, "Oh, this is more like a basketball team where you have a point guard, a shooting guard." a power forward, a small forward, and a center. They're not playing the same role.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. And I think if you dive into that on a team, that's where the magic will happen. That will elevate you to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's why every dynamic... That's why you play differently mm-hmm. on every team, too. You right. know, at least I do. I mean, I definitely have been doing a lot more straight manning on this team, which is really fun for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um because everybody, everybody can play everything on this team. Uh, but before, yeah. I would be the one that would always start with the crazy energy, and then see what would happen after that. So that's why I love being on a bunch of different teams at once to practice all those things. Right. S-
1: well, it's like yeah. being—it's like a, it sounds like women and men is a team of LeBrons or Magic Johnsons.
2: <laughs> where,
1: you know, those are people who could play every every one of those positions.
2: I think I think uh, that comparison is hilarious for an improv team, but yeah, I'll take it. A bunch <laughs> Why, of Lebron. This is an
1: athletic a reference. A bunch
2: of tiny little white boys and girls are, yeah, the <laughs> Lebrons. Sure. Well, I
1: just mean that both of those players have played all the positions in, a, yeah. in the same game before, so mm-hmm. I'm sure okay, there's I'll some stat it. head who's uh, totally disagreeing with that on LeBron, but <laughs> just right. get the point that I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> And God, let's move stat forward. Heads. <laughs> But sincerely, I think that is something that people need to get out of their head about because there are all these different positions that you have to play within a scene and you just wanna grow at being able to do the skills needed in that position.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing to do. I think when you're first going through classes, I guess that is the time to have like a mental breakdown about who you are and what you're good at, you know, because you're jealous of all the other people you see in your classes who things just come naturally to But Mm -hmm. the good news is once you're out of those classes and you find your group, no one else can do what Jason does. No one else can do what Molly does. No one else can do what, I don't know, Ferguson does. He's so good at it. Ferguson is so good at what he does. So just dive into that after that and don't feel bad about just...
0: That's so really encouraging. Good
2: being, oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the number one thing I wish I would have learned earlier, just to be okay with what
0: you're good at.
1: Yeah. I'm just coming out of a workshop that I took with Brian O'Connell, and he was saying in that workshop the same thing you just said, that not, like you are the best at something in the entire world. There's something that you yeah. do that no one else in the world can do. All of you are better than Will Ferrell at whatever it is that makes you you hmm. And that is so necessary to hear, because when I started getting into comedy, one of the things that maybe even kept me from getting into comedy was I would look at a Chris Farley or Will Ferrell or Kristen Wiig and be like, well, I can't do that. So why I
2: know bother? I think we all do that. Right. But yeah. it's the different like. No one and no one's going to do the, the the same scene the same way. Like we're, whenever we find ourselves in scenes that we've seen before, I think we shit on ourselves a little bit and like, Oh God, I'm stuck in another, whatever this scene is. But as a, as the person watching, it's always different every time. Like I could watch an infinite amount of good cop, bad cop scenes yeah. with whoever is doing it because it's always different. There's always a new twist on it. Right. So it's we're just not le-
1: letting anything yourself. new now. We're still watching the shows and movies and improv scenes and Everything's been done before, yeah. the reason we keep watching this stuff is because these new combinations create something new that we haven't quite seen before,
2: yeah, I swear I think every I just I think everybody should do good cop bad cop scenes in every show <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're my guilty pleasure <laughs>
1: I do enjoy those myself <laughs> I would like to know a little bit more pick your brain a little bit more about the sort of approach that you take because it sounds like being at UCB, you're running a lot of drills to get good at the game, as you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. But you are still someone who approaches a scene with, what's my physicality and what does this mean?
2: Yeah, So absolutely. how does
1: that work into a game-centered? Because I feel like that's how I am, but I'm on a team that's, mm-hmm. it's an Armando team, which has to be game-centered. Oh, in order yeah. for it to be successful. But I am one who wants to come out and have this, like grounded actory scene. Mm-hmm. So, how do you get into that?
2: Well, I love starting from the physical because if you if you give your your if you're going to do the same scene anyway, why not give him a little a tick or a physical, a different physical way of moving because that will inform your scene in a different way for sure. It, it'll just mm-hmm. give the character a little more grounding, a little more nuance, a little more point of view that you would not have given that character. If he was just sitting straight at a desk doing a regular interview, say that, say that guy that you're playing the boss and, and he's, he's got something on his face and he's trying to get it off or he's got something in his teeth. That scene is going to go completely, he's low status because of that. And you probably wouldn't have thought of that the second you started doing that, but that's what the scene would turn into. So that just gives something right from the get go, something for you to have a hold of and, and something to put. Your, some good f- grounding and footing for your scene to go off of. So it's just like my one of my safety blankets, one of my tools in my improv tool belt. That's but a really good one. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. It's, really, it's like a cheat code, I think, a little bit.
1: I think it is. It, it adds a color to the scene that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. Uh-huh. I was just yeah, talking you surprise to, yourself. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody earlier about how, and I, I think I may have done this, I don't remember, uh, now that time has happened and you know how... An idea or a thought that you had after time just becomes like, oh, did that really happen? It's like, no, it's just a thing. <laughs> I, don't <know> if, <laughs> I don't remember if I actually did this, but it seems like there was some scene where I walked out, like some slob, some like Homer Simpson archetype, but then someone said, Mr. President. And so I straightened up and got like presidential.
2: Uh-huh. I shouldn't
1: have done that. Like what would have been great if I really did that? What would have been great is if I was that slobby president
2: exactly exactly i mean you have your game right there before mm-hmm. anyone before after the first line you have it because you've already your gift to your scene partner was your physicality already right so you've got a game uh, built in yeah it makes it easy it's a cheat code for sure That's
1: bailing a- do you think this is bailing on what you had at the beginning for sure
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah especially if you change your physicality the whole audience can see you do that mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah it's definitely i mean it's hard to commit to what you did, but it's also, it can, it can make the scene easier and wonderful. I mean, half of the most fun scenes come out of like mess ups and, and justifications for right. the script. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I love. But, um, going back to like practicing that, I guess it totally depends on the opening that you're doing. So I mostly do heralds these days, but so we've been fiddling, uh, with our opening at first. When I first came on the team, We were doing just a fast-paced scene montage in the beginning of like sort of unrelated scenes Um, because this the women and men is definitely like a very fast-paced team, Um, very fluid. uh, mm -hmm.
1: It's harder to see the structure. Not that that's that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's something we really enjoy playing with, like thematically and things like that. But recently, we just started performing with no opening, which gives a ton of room for doing character stuff. And I think starting now and for a little while, we're going to do three scenes up top where we just straight up based on the suggestion, no opening, um, do a grounded two person scene, which I mean, those are my favorite. Cause if you just stand there and stare at each other, you've got nothing to go off of before you start speaking. Right. So when you have a no opening, you're definitely forced, uh, to use physicality to inform the scene. um, but like we were just talking about, when you do have premise-based openings, a scene that would just be to, a good cop and a bad cop would become like, I don't know, if you're very, very uh, articulate with your hand gestures, it would become like good cop, Greek cop or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see, there's always a twist on the premise. You don't want to just... I mean, sometimes you want if it's a really funny one, you want to take it straight from the opening, but most of the time you want to do a little twist on it. So there's always room for physicality. And um, interesting stage pictures is another thing that I'm a huge proponent of. (laughs) Just moving your body to a place on the stage that you normally don't people see come from a lot Mm -hmm. will change the entire dynamic of the scene and the show.
1: It does. Mm -hmm. I feel like I see a lot of improv where people are not comfortable with the space enough mm-hmm. to do what you're suggesting and you're, what you're suggesting is the right thing to do, but mm-hmm. people just kind of walk out into the middle scared and they, haven't, yeah. you know, they, they may call it, Oh, we're in a coffee shop or, oh, we're in the kitchen, but they're still just standing there. So you can't tell by their physicality where they are.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's because you don't think you have permission yet to right. do that.
0: Exactly.
2: Uh, you know, and. S- like uh, Hunter Nelson on my team, <laughs> so funny. He always enters scenes from like the left vom of the theater. So that's at the top of the stage. And that <laughs> that is so funny to me because um, it, it implies status too if you come – if you come from the audience, I think it gives you a sort of a powerful status. Like you're, you're parting the seas. So a lot of his characters come from that. So I think if you just try out whatever, whatever theater stage you're on, try coming from a different door than you normally do, or taking up space in a way that you normally don't, Um, you know, weight and heat is a real thing. If you stand with your shoulders water and out like this, you, you, you cannot help but improvise differently and surprise yourself. And those, I mean, a lot of, I'd say so. Most of the um, what we do in improv comes from the subconscious. So if you just mm-hmm. start moving in a different way and moving to different places, you're gonna do half of the work for yourself to get yourself out of your own fucking brain. Anything you can do to get out of your brain helps, I think. And those are my my little cheat codes, really.
1: Uh, I completely agree. And one of the <laughs> things I realized though is when if you a lot of times. I'll hear this stuff. I'm like, yes, that's totally true. And that's totally correct. And so I try to do that in a scene. But the other person, or sometimes I'm that other person who's screwing Mm -hmm. it up. But (laughs) (laughs) I I say sometimes, most of the time. Uh, But sincerely, these these things that we're talking about, they work when everyone is aware of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Someone can walk out. And they don't realize how they're standing, so we're talking about mm-hmm. heat and weight. when someone doesn't realize that stuff on a conscious level, then when some the other person who is being more conscious in the scene is picking up on it and using it, it's like a dead end almost
2: mhm well that's uh, that's a time when you can i mean i'm a give your scene partner a gift. one of my favorite exercises to do um is where you just notice what your scene partner is doing it doing Mm -hmm. and calling it out. Be like, hey, I see that you're uh, really nervous right now. And uh, I call it damn right. The person uh, emphatically has to say, damn right, I'm nervous, and then justify that. And then you notice something else that they did in there, and you're like, I just noticed that you uh, talked for a while. Do you feel really defensive right now? Damn right, I'm defensive. Uh, Because it's like the hardest yes you can give, and the Mm -hmm. scene's always – go in these hilarious places. And it's a physical yes ending as well as um, – and the justification comes along with you.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
2: one of my favorite ones to do to get people out of their heads because you're allowed to do that in a improv scene. Be like, I, I, I see that you're just like standing really still right now. Is there something that's bothering you? Then they have to respond. I mean they say don't ask questions basically just – in the for your first couple of classes so you don't totally screw everything up (laughs) after that i i love asking questions in scenes especially when you're on a uh, team of people that you trust and that you Mm -hmm. uh you know you've got hard listeners on it it can actually help the scene a lot i think so
1: and i've heard the talk about respond to the intent of what is said or done not necessarily (laughs) exactly what is said so i mean they say don't ask questions because you don't If I'm doing a scene with Molly and I keep making you do all the work, the creative Mm -hmm. work, then by asking questions, then I'm screwing the scene. But if I'm doing what you're suggesting right now, saying like, hey, I'm noticing this. What's up? Then we're connecting and you are yes anding the intent of that statement, which is to point out where you're at.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that can totally help. I That's mean, us getting s- on the
1: same page, which is exactly right. what needs to happen, just about every moment in an improv scene.
2: Yeah, <laughs> getting exactly. on or
1: staying on the same page.
2: Uh huh. And the sooner you can do that, the more fun you can have in the space. You know,
1: just to explore. Uh, what are some things people miss that, like, especially early improvisers, when mm-hmm. it comes to doing successful improv scenes?
2: Um, one of the main things I I just see is just keeping it simple and really, really stupid. I mean, don't try to be smart. Um, if if there's a, a higher intellectual meaning that can be placed on your scene, the audience will do that for you. <laughs> don't right. don't. Uh, that's why my favorite scenes in the whole world are group game scenes. Group games are essentially two-person scenes with more people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so usually, what happens is someone will initiate, and then the second thing that is said usually becomes the game because you do not have time uh, to sift through eight people's mm-hmm. views of what's going on. You'll see when you watch group games, especially on Herald Night here at least, people physically jump on it, and uh, the game is usually created within the first couple lines. And that is my favorite because they say simple and stupid out of necessity.
0: Right.
2: Uh, and then they just – we blow it out from there immediately, mm-hmm. so – what is, uh,
1: that is something that I have a a team that I coach that is a Herald team, mm-hmm. and the group games, it just that seems to be the hardest nut to crack.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are some good basic things to get on the same page about so that they can have the most success and the most fun with a yeah. group game?
2: Um, my two things are uh, an interesting stage picture to start for oh, sure. Gosh,
1: Yeah. I hate <laughs> that, that half circle that people make. <laughs> and they just stand I there mean, like who stands like this at any I point
2: know. in time. That's a hard and fast rule. You're just not allowed to do that. Um, and then going through all the different kinds that you normally see, just so people know in their back pocket, you know, presentational commercial, uh, odd man out, uh, two person scene basically. Uh, but then forcing them to do it like it is a two person scene. The mm-hmm. first two viewpoints that were expressed are going to be what you're going to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like <laughs> some of the examples that come to my head are on my old team co workers. We were all out on stage, and one of my, uh, <laughs> one of uh, Paul Ladero came out and said, looked at us and said, OK, it's time to pick my bridesmaids. And just by saying it like that and the way that he did, (laughs) the rest of the scene was us just manically running around the theater, screaming, so excited to find out who he was going to (laughs) pick. So just not even, not even just like very little talking in group games, just be physical, connect with your, your, uh, your friends and your teammates and, uh, get sweaty. Uh, those, Mm -hmm. those are my favorite kinds for sure and i I think that'll really help to get people out of their heads it's like a dance time and you look around you see what you have to you have to turn around and look at your scene partners in a group game to -hmm. see what they're doing because even in the way that they're standing you guys have to physically get on the same page immediately first Mm because if you're all i um if you're all all over the map it's going to be harder to justify that. So if you really connect with each other too, and pick a similar physical position, you're mm-hmm. already, you're already almost there. You've got half your game.
1: That's awesome. That's very good advice. And I appreciate <laughs> it. What I saw women and men, I, I love that whole night. All, all the teams are so great and different. There's like this varying picture and, and styles of uh, doing heralds on herald night there for women and men it's not that it was, well, I guess it was kind of organic.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: seemed like it was harder to say like, okay, is this, where, where are they in the show? Like it was just hard to do that. So I just paid attention and enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> I, kept, I stopped
1: trying <laughs> no, to like that, p- figure it out.
2: Yeah. That's definitely uh women and men. We, uh, we <laughs> like our shows to be super fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, um,
1: they so were
2: <laughs> good. Good. Um, I'm, uh, I don't want to say it. Yeah. I guess we're less concerned with where we are in what scene and more concerned with what is going to be most interesting to play and what connections we can make
0: mm-hmm. and
2: what thematically would best serve the show as a whole rather than being like, where, where are we? What scene is it? You it? Know? <laughs> is this 2A or 2B? Yeah. I I remember when I first started watching heralds, I didn't know what the fuck was going on anyway Right. (laughs) before I knew what the structure was. So I, I would like to just know that if someone didn't know what the herald was anyway, they would get, they would see where connections were Mm -hmm. uh, and what the themes were uh, overall. So if you can do that, it's successful. But some student may be like, they didn't do it right. And they would be absolutely right. (laughs) Some shows.
1: What is the structure? Do you, I mean, does it have that like 1A, 1B, 1C group game, 2A, yeah. 2B?
2: So on Herald Night, we're definitely uh, supposed to hit all of those. I I enjoy doing um, everything from the opening up until the second group game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I like when the, the initiation from the second group game comes from within the Herald because that – Um, is an awesome jumping off point to get into third beats. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the times with women and men too, we're running out of time by the, uh, the second group game. So third beats are often really quick if they happen at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's just my favorite thing to do. I mean, sometimes we take it from an opening too. If the opening had something really juicy in it that we wanted mm-hmm. to jump on. And to put in my I personally like to put in my back pocket anything from the opening, that would be a great setting for a group game. If it's like, you know, a pirate ship came up or whatever. I try to save those for the group games. But so yes, technically I do love hitting all all the marks, but I'm at the point now where it doesn't bother me if we miss uh, a scene. And like that happens in rehearsal all the time. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, we'll be like, oh, did we mix them up? But nobody cares.
1: (laughs) Right. I think the training wheels is just to help people just figure out and understand the idea or the process Mm -hmm. of uh, a herald. But first beats are just going to be like this. And second beats are referencing things from the first beats, uh, essentially. What is the thought process when you're creating scenes in first beats?
2: I I think the best thing for me is just creating a full world. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, who, what, where, for sure. I know we all know we're supposed to do that, but I even, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even give myself a name or my partner a name. You get so caught up in finding the game sometimes that, the, the who, what, where goes to the wayside. So
0: mm-hmm. I
2: think it, it, names are uh, another cheat code. Just put have that in your back pocket at all times. Um, Why do you think
1: uh, names are important?
2: Because it's like physicality. If you call your scene partner Steve, it's going to be a different scene than if you call him Skullcap or, you know... Oh, yeah. ...Bonesug or whatever.
0: That's very true. Uh,
2: right? But <laughs> Also, sometimes I'm like... Once I do name someone, I'm like, fuck, what the hell did I name him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I so, do that all the time. I did. Yeah. I was just hearing in the workshop I had, because there was a scene where two people really had just clear points of view, real clear characters. So he, he stopped the scene and said, do we know their names? And does it matter? And we are kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it doesn't really matter in this particular case. Because if someone's acting like a skullcap, maybe you don't need a... <laughs> name them Skull Camp, because they're already doing that, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. There's only th- so many things you can juggle at once. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. That's fair. So when you're you're trying to create a world mm-hmm. in your first beats, are you trying to come up with a game, a specific type of game, so that the second beat version of that scene plays that game?
2: Yeah, I like to keep the first beats usually pretty simple, because um second beats for me the easiest way to blow that out of the water is just make it bigger physically Mm -hmm. so um you know if i do make a physical choice in the first one i'm not concerned with with getting like sweaty in the first scene or anything um just really understanding who these characters are and their points of view if you just if you get the points of view out usually that that becomes a game but Mm -hmm. if anything if you don't get to a, a solid game at least you've got you know you know, masculine father and like uh, feminine son or whatever. doesn't want to take over the, the business. The mm-hmm. uh, at least, Like that's not a game and that's stupid. And I have done that scene recently. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but the at second least,
1: beat of that could be like the alpha male boss and the beta uh, mm-hmm. vice president that can't take over the company because he's too beta and not alpha enough or
0: something.
2: Right. Like and then maybe you'll find the game in the second scene mm-hmm. th- there. So as long as you have,
0: that Two dynamic. points of view, right?
2: For sure. Then that you have something to play with in your in your second in your second beat of that,
1: and you're doing that by trying to keep it simple, but make it a full world and in full space.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I like to always give my point of view and emotion around it too, because mm-hmm. um, so, that just easily implies status, and that gives you even more. To play with my characters are usually <laughs> low status and nervous uh you know that's that's pretty clear to my my scene mate that they can take the high status they're just more interesting to me <laughs> You're,
1: so we've kind of already talked about this but in second beats what do you think is the ucb approach
2: uh ucb approach i mean second beats whatever different whatever your favorite style of heightening is hmm do that because there's so many different ways you can do it. You know, you can do analogous or time jump. And mm-hmm. um, when, when I was on my team, Rizzo, my Lloyd team, where I learned the most about Harold's ever, one of my uh, coaches was Ben Ramika, who really. I love Ben. Oh, God. He's so great. And that he really solidified for me what I love about second beats because sometimes like i said you don't get to third beats and a lot of times third beats can just be interesting connections or side characters that you didn't see before Mm -hmm. so he would have all of us come out and we would be sweaty by the time second beats were over and i love that style because when by the time you get to second beats everybody on the back line should be on their toes ready to jump in to make that pyramid to you know build that whatever um at least emotionally heightened too Mm -hmm. that's my favorite um I just, I'm, I'm usually, I like to get sweaty in my second beats. <laughs> that's my, that's the energy I like to bring to it. But right. there's, you know, of course, if you, sometimes when you take the same characters that, Uh, take that game just a different a different location that can sometimes heighten um, the game in itself so there are simple ways but whatever you find funny do that scene don't Mm -hmm. think in your head the thing that screwed me up for a long time was what is the correct second beat to do here
1: right I think that screws up a lot of people definitely screwed up me I'm sure I've inadvertently screwed up my team with my (laughs) herald teams I've coached with that
2: yeah, I mean, it gets you in your head, and mm-hmm. who doesn't want to see someone having the most fun they've ever had? A scene's not gonna be bad if you're having fun, you know? Right. Half the time I play Lin Manuel Miranda in my second beats just because I want to, okay? And it may not fit every time, but hell if I don't have a shitload of fun and the I audience has. Is-
1: I, I gotta say, I, I've never seen Hamilton, and the first time I saw Lin Manuel on on Fallon, I was kind of like. Huh, I don't know about this guy and then I so got on board pretty immediately with how amazing when Roman Miranda <laughs> is.
0: is amazing. I adore
1: him and I want to be his best friend.
0: Oh
2: god, and he, let me tell you, he comes up in improv scenes all the time. <laughs> I just and I love seeing my teammates do what they're good at too, you know, like Sarah Grace's crotchety old man is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um <laughs> Watching her do that is gives me joy and gives the audience joy. So do mm-hmm. what brings you joy. And, you know, like I said, you would want to be a well-rounded player. But if you're so good at that thing, bring it back. See how it fits, you know.
1: Are there any what? other crucial things that you would say need to be done in second beats in order to have successful second beats?
2: You know what? I a lot of times second beats are cleaning up first beats, too. <laughs> how do you mean? So, I, I mean, if you didn't find a game in the first scene, which happens a lot, um, mm-hmm. it's just solidifying that. So really, I mean, your second beats are going to be the, a lot of times the meat of your show. Mm-hmm. So for me, I do love Chicago style, uh, but I'm such a performer at heart that I'm like, whatever, just perform, perform the mm-hmm. fuck out of your second beats. Give yourself a little ease and time and space in first beats to like,
1: figure
2: it out, scene partner, figure it out. Mm. Um, and just decide, make a decision before you go out in second beats of what you want this to be and perform the fuck out of it. This is theater and you're, 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 you should be honored to be doing it in front of an audience. So I couldn't agree more a show in second beats. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's fantastic. I, I love that you're saying that because it's, how I feel, and I like it when people who are really good are saying things that I think. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, great, I wasn't wrong this whole time. No, you're not wrong.
2: How do you approach third beats? Uh, if I get to them. <laughs> 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 um, third beats are actually, I like to think of them as a grab bag. I mean, ideally, early on, it would just be like another another heightening. But there's so much... Usually generate so much fun stuff that you don't get to play with that bringing that extraneous stuff into um, the games that you've established. That's what I love to see. And the audience loves it too. They're like, oh my God, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Just really have fun with that. And then, you know, it's
1: like a button where it all just comes together.
2: Yeah. And then you got to have that guy or girl on your team, the Mr. or Mrs. Blackout line. <laughs> the person, that, you know, you know, when that person's about to have a blackout line, when they walk out on stage and they turn to the audience and they, they turn out and they go, blah, 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 blackout. I love that moment. <laughs> Those
1: are great. Those are great yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, a, there's so much talk and focus on second beats in improv or just like second. I mean, like Armando's are essentially just all second beats. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're referencing a story. You're taking something from that. Uh, so when you're doing a second beat, you're kind of briefly going back to talking about second beats. You're sort of thinking about the things that were interesting and the game. If mm-hmm. there was a game from that first beat that you're doing a scene off of.
2: Right. Yeah, you're,
1: you're kind of playing with whatever was there.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Second beats to me are are the most fun, and the well, I wouldn't shouldn't say most fun because I do love those patient up top scenes. <laughs> um. But yeah, really, because you have time when you're on the back line during first beats to think about
0: mm-hmm. what's
2: gonna happen, which is really cool. You don't have that luxury in your first scenes, Mm-mm. so. There's a little bit more pressure um, to to perform and to to nail the game, so it's it's an interesting dynamic, and especially because I mean it depends on every team, but in a lot of teams you can take somebody else's second beat,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which I really enjoy because you know you once you do your scene, you don't want to immediately get in the back line and be like, okay, where should I set that? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love being on teams where they say anybody anybody can take them, and so once if somebody if somebody steps out confidently for your second beat, let them take it and let it ride. And then everybody can jump on that. I kind of like thinking of second beats as group game scenes. A lot of times women and men literally every scene is a group game from yeah. the yeah to the, the i
1: think movies. that was some of the reason why i was like where is this the second group game
2: or- <laughs> 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 yeah it's hard to tell because we all jump in immediately because it's just so fun it's hard not to so if you can make that work yeah that's definitely an option too um so I just love having the energy of everybody in the scene. But that's that's not an easy thing to do, I guess. <laughs>
1: Outside of Harold's her- doing that form of improv, are there other styles of improv that you're getting yourself into regularly that you really love?
2: Um, I, Whenever I have the chance, I am one of those people that will sit in a bit for hours, like way too long. I just love sitting in those weird characters mm-hmm. because I live in New York and they're very, very real to me every day. These people you see on the subway, you're just like, I, I couldn't have even conjured this kind of character if I tried. Mm-hmm. You know. So I, am really loving diving into character work and uh, cultivating the, you know, the, all those notes that you have on your cell phone. One day you will get to them. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to write, to take notes of all the people I see um, it's the best
1: place to people watch.
2: Oh, my God, Jason. It's fantastic. It's just so wonderful. Everywhere you look is inspiration for another character. So I guess because, you know, UCB-style game is so quick, so so fast. It is nice to just sit sit in the bones of a, of a character. So I'm, I'm doing that. Um, and then, of course, I have my sketch team with a show at UCB now that I'm loving doing because... We're in the show uh, The this show is called Balls Deep um, And it, we play men in every scene And mm-hmm. there's scenes about rape culture White male privilege We cover mm-hmm. the whole thing uh, You know like internet trolls And now with the election uh, mm-hmm. That just happened uh, <laughs> As you might know uh, We're always in the process of tweaking those scenes uh, And it's That's what I'm really really enjoying You Absolutely. guys should come check it out <laughs> So yeah, character work. I think everybody, UCB as a theater has been encouraging us outside of improv to to really dive into character work. I think two years ago at DCM at the all theater meeting, they really, really stressed that. So I think that's been a big focus.
1: Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. I hear so many people who are not on Herald teams or not, maybe not on the house teams at all at UCB who will talk about like, oh gosh, the politics is staying on the office politics and of getting on a house team and staying on a house team are just unreal. I'm just warning you, and it's so tough, and it's just so cutthroat and all this stuff. But then whenever I talk to people, and I'm seeing this now, everyone seems so laid back. So <laughs> w- what is this culture that people are hearing about, but I am not witnessing when I meet the actual performers?
2: Yeah, well, I think we've all felt that at different stages of our improv career, and... Um, uh, It's different for everybody at different Mm -hmm. times, how they feel about it. I had to audition multiple, multiple times, and I was also put on a team and then cut. So if you would have asked me when I was cut like how I felt about it, probably wouldn't be great. Actually, (laughs) but when I was cut, I did feel like I needed to be cut because I wasn't doing my best work. I remember when they were making the phone calls, I was like, if they call me and say that I'm still on, I will have no respect for them. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't doing good work. And I, you, need, you need to know, you need to have self-awareness to know when you need to do more work. And because you get, I get in slumps all the time too. And I was definitely mm-hmm. in a, I was like, I feel like I need to take more classes or at least get more comfortable with the stage and have more confidence in myself before mm-hmm. I get on a team. Mm-hmm. I don't so.
1: necessarily fault that approach at all to a theater. I think that's totally fine. I understand that some people that that's not going to be the best thing for them. That's not maybe that's not their atmosphere, but mm-hmm. it's totally legitimate for a company mm-hmm. to say, "Okay, I just feel like you're not doing your best work, and this, you know, we want to cast shows based on people who are the strongest." And there are Mm -hmm. an abundant amount of people who are the strongest here, so there are only going to be 12 of you on a team max, you know? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Probably not even that many, but...
2: Yeah, the sheer volume of talent at UCB is utterly astounding. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could be replaced by hundreds of other people who would be probably so much better than me, but it was just luck and time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I can only speak to my experience, and I'm just... uh, I had to work hard and keep doing it. And, oh that sounds
1: uh, terrible. You had to work hard <laughs> and keep doing it and grow and progress as I a person.
0: I think like we're doing times. this
1: stuff is that we're trying yeah. to we're trying to be better people with the process or through the process of growing and progressing as people and performers. Right.
2: Yeah, and there are so many ways to do that too. I was lucky enough that I had the money also to take the classes, right? Uh, You know, so it it is it's definitely my privilege for sure that got Mm -hmm. me here. So it is fresh. There's a lot of frustrating things about it, but you know, of course, like everybody always says, valuable
1: thing doesn't have frustrations.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, But there are, I mean, especially if you're in New York, I mean, there are so many. There are so many other theaters cropping up, and so many different um creative outlets to become better at comedy that it's mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the best things i did to make myself a better comedian is start my own sketch group because it got me writing for myself and uh, had me dive deeper into characters that I love to do. And then made me more confident as an improviser. And that had nothing to do with any theater whatsoever. Uh, so I would just say early, pick your friends that you think are funny and start making comedy with them.
1: What you just mentioned is exactly the advice Seth Meyers gave me when I went to a taping and he took a Q and a, uh, and I said, I'm moving up here. With my girlfriend, uh, we want to do comedy. What do you suggest? And he said, you know, g- get in a theater. Get in mm-hmm. a theater and surround yourself with good people that you like and do stuff together. That's what yeah. it's going to take.
2: Oh, they're the best people. And the cutest boys, Jason. I just got to say, <laughs> go to the theater with the cutest boys and you'll find your way. <laughs> it's it's arbitrary, but, you know, at least you're just picking and making a decision.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> You coach. What, what all are you coaching?
2: I, one of my favorite teams that I was coaching was this all ladies team, um, which was so fun for me because there's so much talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just overwhelming. Sometimes I'll, I'd watch them and be like, okay, I quit. You guys just take mm-hmm. over. What was their name? Uh, what?
1: What's the team's name?
2: Um, it wasn't a team. It was just like on Sundays, they would get a bunch oh, of okay. women together from the community. So sometimes it'd be like 20 people. Um, and a lot of times we would just sometimes sit down and have a discussion if there was something going on in the community, mm-hmm. which I really, really loved uh, getting to know other girls because I'm not part of, I, I'm not really entrenched in the student community anymore. So it's mm-hmm. good to know what's going on and different issues. Cause you know, stuff has come up in this past year. Um, -hmm. so just like getting their takes on it and staying involved with them. I just, it's just overwhelming how funny these people are to me. (laughs) So it's good to laugh, um, while you're coaching. And I definitely did a lot of that. I love it.
1: That's awesome. How, How much coaching have you done?
2: um i have stopped doing it recent as much recently just because my job has gotten bananas with this election year Mm -hmm. um but it it, coaching keeps you fresh and reminds you of the good what good improv is because you can get spoiled when you're on the same team for a while Mm -hmm. you just start falling into old habits so Mm -hmm. you remember oh yes you need to justify you need the who what and where and Mm -hmm. it's it's selfish, but it's, it's good for me too. So like I like
1: sometimes it. taking a 101 is beneficial again. Like just auditing a 101 is like, oh, oh yeah, these basics I totally forgot about.
2: Hell yeah. I just signed up for another UCB class. Shannon O'Neill is t- teaching it called suck my dick. It's an all lady class. If you can tell, I'm really into all lady stuff. Um, and so that we've only had one class, but it, I'm already so pumped about it. It's so energizing. It's reminding me about good scene work. Um, because, you know, a lot of times on Women and Men and when you're in a Herald team for a while, you start working on, like, loftier goals. Right. And then for it, you're like, oh, right, I haven't done my who, what, where in, like, three Heralds. <laughs> so it's definitely good to, to go back to basics because you can get spoiled. and Oh, forget. yeah. I mean, where you're
1: doing the, the more rule-breaking stuff that, hap- that comes with experience, mm-hmm. then you can kind of forget the things the rules anyway
0: (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i just forgot them yeah so
1: it's (laughs) it's really good
0: Mm -hmm.
1: well good deal i feel like we've gotten uh to a good ending point now it's time to create something together we've talked about a lot of things what's something that we could do together here at the end i mentioned off off air about uh kind of running drills of something but is there anything that's come to mind to you since we started talking
2: since I'm such a physical player, I'm wondering what I can do uh, over the audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a good point. Um, hmm. Well, what's something that we were talking about? Oh, okay. Maybe here you like to start scenes with a physicality, and I imagine mm-hmm. you're also trying to pick up on the other person's physicality. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can go step by step through that process. Sure. Okay, so we don't necessarily have to do a scene, but I just want to mm-hmm. get a, a peek into your brain when you're going into that scene. What? Sure. I, sometimes people jump right out and they just start talking.
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: is your approach? You, your approach is to walk out a certain way <laughs> or to get <laughs> oh, into yeah. the scene, like, what's, what am I feeling and how am I standing? Okay,
2: so, and, so we start a scene. I'm probably going to walk in with my hips swinging. One of my favorite characters to play is... Uh, like an old southern drunk lady who's hitting on everybody. And so you can basically tell what that character is before I even open my mouth, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then probably the first thing you would notice is say, oh, you know, I noticed you look kind of drunk. Mm-hmm. My favorite, the hard yes thing is, damn right I'm drunk. Your father left the liquor cabinet open. He forgot to lock it this this weekend when he went out of town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, of course, you would notice something about that. would be like, oh, you seem really excited that he's out of town. Damn right I'm excited he's out of town. Mama's got to get hers this weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's going through your head from if we're doing a scene together and you're observing me, what is it? And even if I am being kind of like the straight person to your, you know, damn right I'm drunk uh, type, what are you trying to pick up on so that you can utilize it in how you respond?
2: Well, this is a fun one because it's mostly gift giving from one side. And so there's right. pressure off of you. Right. And there's also pressure off of me because you're all you're doing. Your straight man is just noticing things about me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So once you give me that gift, I'm off and running because you could notice a bunch of different things about me, but you're going to pick one. Right. You know, the first thing you could have noticed is that uh, you always seem really confident. You could confident or drunk to mm-hmm. things that go hand in hand, but my answer is going to be different based on what you point out. So
1: it's kind of like you are doing something, and you know what's said, if you're in a if you are walking out in a hippie sort of way, uh, whatever you say after that should confirm what everyone just saw you do.
2: Yes, exactly. And you're going to naturally heighten from there, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, if you notice that I'm drunk, damn right I'm drunk, I'm going to create more of that physically, right? I'm going to knock things over in the apartment. I'm going to mm-hmm. get drunker. Mm-hmm. If you point out that I'm confident, I'm going to you know puff up my chest and talk real great about myself. Uh, the, the scene is going to go in a different direction. It's going to heighten automatically just mm-hmm. from what you pick and because of the nature of going forward in the scene. Cool. I love my drunk, confident lady.
1: If we're talking heat and weight, <laughs> mm-hmm. so maybe we're not coming out as a drunk, confident lady and it's not going to be like a straight, absurd sort of scene like where it's a straight person and then the character person. What is the process there? What's going through your head?
0: We're uh, where,
2: well, yeah, hopefully you both come out and like observe each other's weight and heat. And then uh, the first thing I notice with weight and heat is that status is usually established mm-hmm. and there's more, more of a vibration around the the characters so less talking is needed and i think when you come out with weight and heat you can use the space more to your benefit than just being like Mm -hmm. blah 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 let's try to find the game with our words you know
1: let's define weight and heat too because it's something that where i'm from i don't hear a lot of that in my improv community though i i've read about it a good bit and love it but i haven't practiced it and a lot of people who uh, are my friends here they maybe don't, don't know as well
2: Mm -hmm. to me, weight and heat is just a way of placing in your body, the vibrations of your character Mm -hmm. that may, um, I hope that makes sense. But, um, so he'd
1: be kind of like maybe the, the heat between us, the feeling between us.
2: Yeah, absolutely, totally. The you know, if if there's fire, there's going to be lots of passion. If it's a little colder, you're going to be more isolated, further away from, than the person on stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you can, that, so that's definitely uh, a part of that 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 immediately uh, gets you and your partner interacting, and, uh, and you can have different heats right. to each other.
1: You know, and the weight is kind of like maybe the weightiness of the moment that these two are sharing.
2: Yeah, totally, and that can that can come. Once you've established the scene, you feel the weight of the scene. But before you've even started talking, to me, weight a lot is placement in your own body of where your confidence is. Say your confidence is this ball right here. It your could chest. be big yeah. and heavy and sit here, mm-hmm. and that's gonna affect you a different way than it's if it's in your pelvis. You uh, you're you're gonna be this guy. I know you can't see me right now, but um, the weight weight can be wherever you place it in your body, and mm-hmm. that will affect your character. And right. then
1: so if you're so, putting it in your shoulders and making you kind of slouch mm-hmm. if you're slouching then you're kind of giving an an idea to your scene partner of like or well, this is how this person is feeling maybe
2: right totally it, it gives them a sense of themselves you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and so i think uh, as an overall concept weight and heat when you think about it just think about it in terms of what your character feels about yourself and towards the other person and where you place that in your body, the body. That's why I love weight and heat. Cause it, it immediately connects your character mm-hmm. to your body and how, how the warmth is in it and, um, how you feel the weight, you know, if you ever take mime or anything like that, You have to get a sense of the weight of the object that you're holding in order to infer what it is and and the importance that it has. And so just place that in your body and Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. And you're you're giving your gift to your scene partner without any words telling them who you are a little Mm -hmm. bit.
1: Well, there it is. I love it. (laughs) Thanks so much for talking to me about this and being on the podcast.
2: For sure. This was so
1: fun. So glad I had Molly on. She is so fun and funny. She's a good egg and she is one of the most dynamic performers I've ever seen. So I hope you learned a lot. I certainly did listening to her talk about her approach to improv. If you want to know more about her, you can go to the UCB performer page. It is in the bio, a link for that. And also find out more about her sketch group, Buzz Off Lucille, at buzzofflucille.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Molly Gaby, at There It Is Pod, at Jason Far Jokes. If you are in New York, you can go see her perform tomorrow night, November 30th, at the UCB Theater on West 23rd Street. She is going to be on Night Late, which is a very interesting show where some late-night talk show writers develop a show around a new host uh, for each show. So check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun if you're in New York City or if you are independently wealthy and can just travel up there in a whim. Do that. Follow us on Twitter, at Molly Gaby. At There It Is Pod, at Jason Farr Jokes. Also, go to thereitispod.com. You can find out how to support the podcast, which I would very much appreciate. Very fun episode next week. Until next time, be good to each other.
2: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by
0: Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.